smiling. <laughs> Promises are made by us if we're adults or um, by other people on our behalf if we're children. Promises to turn away from sin and to turn to Christ. Baptism by water is a demonstration of our repentance and our commitment to Christ. And today is the day when Christ himself came to be baptized, which is quite an odd thing for him to do, really, because um, he, he, of all people, didn't have any sins to turn away from. And yet, God ordained that this should be an event of quite remarkable significance and drama. I'm sorry if this sounds irreverent, but I'm going to call it the greatest show on earth, because it was. It was more dramatic, more more exciting, more astounding than any event ever devised by man. This is the moment when Jesus comes out of obscurity, and you can't get much more obscure than Nazareth in Galilee, to be presented to the people that he has been born to save. And God has orchestrated this, this beginning of his public ministry to be something which has been remembered and recounted down the centuries. First of all, he set up John to be Christ's herald. And at first you think, this is the first prophet that God has sent to his people in 400 years. They never expected to have another prophet. And he's got a really important message to tell. What was he doing wandering around in the Judean wilderness looking like a ragbag? Would it not have had more impact if he'd been properly dressed, <laughs> preaching in the temple in Jerusalem? But no. No, it was the perfect spot. The wilderness, his camel hair tunic and leather belt, they all evoked in the minds of the Jews their great prophet Elijah. And their attention is caught. He's got them. A second Elijah? What's he going to say? We better go and see. And John's message was quite simple. It was similar to Elijah's, but slightly different. Where Elijah said, you are sinners, therefore you must repent. John said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, therefore you must repent. The Messiah is coming, and you therefore need to make yourselves right with God. Right now, he was asking them to understand that the long-awaited Messiah was actually about to appear and to respond with repentance. And because he reminded them of Elijah, and because he evoked the uh, prophecy of, of Malachi, um, behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and of Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, hence the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. They believed him and they responded. The Messiah is coming. Fill in the potholes, smooth out the lumps and bumps of your sinful lives that get in the way of the Messiah coming to you. Make yourselves fit for a king. God arranged it all perfectly. And when John offered them a way to demonstrate their repentance, they jumped at it. 
the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. The response was, was phenomenal and quite remarkable, really, when you consider that although ceremonial immersions in water um, were uh, already practiced in the Jewish community, they were for Gentiles who wanted to convert to Judaism. They weren't for the Jews. They didn't need ceremonial immersions to make them clean. So for the Jews themselves to let John baptize them like this was tantamount to saying that they were as far from God as a Gentile, which is a remarkable admission for a Jew to make in that day. So having set John up as a kind of second Elijah and grabbed people's attention and prompted this, this expression of repentance... God then had John pointing directly at the Messiah. You think I'm great? I'm just the warm-up act. Wait till the main event arrives. After me will come more powerful than I. The thongs, the, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Did you know, I didn't know this, did you know that the untying of the sandal is... Um, it's not just a piece of spiritual rhetoric from John. It's an actual thing. Apparently, a rabbi or teacher could require his followers to do absolutely anything for him except untie his sandals. Apparently, that was considered too lowly a job for a disciple. Who knew? So John is saying that as important as he seems to uh, the people who've come to be baptized by him, he is actually not even worthy to do the most menial task for the one who's coming after him because the one who comes after him will baptize them not with water but with the Holy Spirit. John's baptism could uh, demonstrate repentance but it couldn't cleanse them from their sins nor could it impart the Holy Spirit in the way that Jesus would after his work on the cross was completed. So what a build-up. After such a build-up, who else could it be but the long-awaited Messiah? More powerful than John, baptizing with the Holy Spirit? No wonder the people were so keen to get themselves ready and demonstrate their repentance. And at last, Jesus came from Nazareth to be baptized by John in the Jordan. In all the excitement and the anticipation, probably nobody actually noticed his arrival. He was just an ordinary-looking bloke, probably dirty and tired from his very long walk. But John knew him as soon as he saw him, just like he had when they were both in their mother's wombs. Matthew records that John was embarrassed at the idea of baptizing Jesus. I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? Jesus, of course, he had no need of baptism to show repentance. He had no need to repent he was without sin, the perfect, sinless son of God. Jesus didn't have to be baptized in the Jordan. He didn't have to die on the cross. He chose to do both those things. His baptism by John identified him with those he had come to save. And it was an act of commitment to his ministry, to everything that lay ahead of him even unto his death. 
And when he came up out of the Jordan, water cascading off him, heaven was torn apart, and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. What drama! What a glorious scene! God the Son is baptized. God God the Father speaks from heaven. God the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. The greatest show on earth. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be there? It's rare in the Bible to read of God speaking audibly to his people. And the heavens being torn apart and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. It reflects so strongly um, that passage in Genesis The earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. Jesus is the light of the world. What must it have been like for them? Absolutely heart-stopping. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are baptised in water once in our lives, either as adults or as children. But repentance, that filling in the potholes, smoothing over the lumps and bumps that sin makes in the path between us and Jesus, and commitment, that is not a a once-in-a-lifetime act. Jesus' baptism in the Jordan marked the beginning of his ministry to mankind, to serve us as God willed. Our repentance as often as we do it, can mark a beginning too, and a commitment. When we repent, we not only turn away from sin, we turn to Jesus. We commit ourselves again to follow him and to serve him as the Father wills. And there is no limit on the number of times that we can do that. We have lots of beginnings in our lives. We're at the beginning of a new year right now. Many times during this year, we will begin something new again. So next time we confess our sins, next time we repent and ask God to forgive us, let's make that a new beginning in our relationship with Christ and a fresh commitment to follow him in our lives. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. I think it's a a wonderful time uh, to hear that.